The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you for your goodness and your kindness to each one of us. We thank you, Father, that you are a God who loves his creation, who loves his people. We thank you, Father, that you want to make yourself known to us, that you want to open our hearts up to you. Lord, we thank you that you are here amongst us. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the blessing that your Holy Spirit is to each one of us. We pray now in the name of Jesus, take the things of heaven and make them known to our hearts. Cause us, O God, to come alive in you that we may be the light of the world as you have created us to be and that we may shine that light throughout our lives as we live in this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're here for the first time, then you won't have heard maybe about our series, Firm Foundations, but that's what we're still going through and that's what we're going to be looking at again this morning. This is the first, uh, fourth time, fourth time, not the first time, my goodness, this is the fourth time that I've been speaking about this series. And the whole idea of this series is that we want to try and establish foundations in ourselves, key things. Now there's lots of things that we could be looking at as far as what are important foundations for us. And so we're not picking on every one of those. But the aspect that I'm trying to look at is this. How do we keep our eyes on Jesus? You see, we, we are Christians and we should be walking as Christians and walking and keeping our eyes, our focus, our attention upon Jesus Christ, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the one who shows us the way to live, the one who shows us the route that we need to take. And therefore, as Christians, we want to be keeping our eyes on Jesus. And so we can ask ourselves a question, or I can ask you a question, as I ask myself, Jonathan, are your eyes on Jesus? And sometimes when I ask that, ask that of myself, I think like, well, I don't know, I, I, actually I'm not sure where he is at the moment. I find that often we can get thrown off track. We can lose our attention on him. Just because of the things that we're going about. We are in church and we focus on Jesus, but you know what, when you go out of these doors... Sometimes there's a parking ticket on the car. That tends to distract you. Sometimes there's the busyness of what we're going to have for lunch. Sometimes you tripped up over the curb and hurt your ankle. There's lots of things that come to distract us. And suddenly we're thinking, like, where are my eyes on Jesus? But you see, Jesus is the one who comes to live with us to help us in every circumstance of life. He's there to strengthen us. So when you go to the office tomorrow, whether it be on the building site or at the school or in the bank or wherever you're or traveling, however you're getting around tomorrow, you are there to represent Jesus. And to do that, you need to have your eyes fixed on him. But there are things that come against us. There are things that disturb us. And so we're trying to put in foundations or things that we can go back to to help us refix our eyes on Jesus. So that we can get ourselves in that practice of, whoa, where am I at the moment? Okay, what can I look at that becomes a firm foundation for me to enable me to refocus and get my eyes back on Jesus? 
And that's what we're talking about with these foundations. Now, the foundations that we have been looking at, the first one has been creation. And the key points that we've looked at, because I'm not going to remind you of everything, two key points. Only God is the creator. Only God is the creator. And he has created not by chance, but by purpose. It's not that everything came about by somebody or something or nothing, or how did it happen, shaking something out of nothing to create something. No, God created the heavens and the earth. By the word of his mouth, he spoke into nothing and out of nothing created everything. That is the foundation of our faith. God is the creator. And God has said the evidence... Because sometimes we're not convinced about that. Sometimes the world comes against us. Sometimes the processes of life are so pressing against us that we're shaken. Our eyes are being taken off Jesus. But you see, we need to be strong. So God says, the evidence of me is all around you. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that man is without excuse. Now, we are, we're not trying to put blame on anybody for what they believe, but for us as a foundation, we want to look at creation so that we use it to strengthen ourselves. So that we remind ourselves, yes, God made this. Because it's when you start to look at a flower or the flowers that you guys have bought for your wives or you've planted in the garden or whatever, when you look at them and you look at the complexity of them, it makes you realize, wow, here's somebody who knows what they're about. And if he should care so much to have put that much thought and color and intricacy in a flower, to know that he cares for me should give us courage and strength. We want to remind ourselves about creation. And creation itself is one of those foundations that we want to have in our lives, or one that we return to to gain strength with. Last week we looked at another foundation, the foundation of obedience. And what I tried to teach you, and hopefully you might have seen, is that faith... That is our trust in God, our confidence in what we can't see. Our faith is established, is strengthened, is renewed, is made alive through obedience. Through obedience. As we walk through life, believing what God has said and actively putting it into place in our lives, through our lives, then we will find our faith is growing and increasing because we are relying upon what God has said to be true. We're taking hold of it. We're acting upon it. We're doing it. We are obeying what he says. And as we obey what he says, so our faith is becoming renewed. Our faith is being activated. Our faith is being operated and it gains strength. And that becomes a foundation for us. And this week I want to look at another foundation. And the foundation this week I want to bring before you is simply this. The battle continues. The battle continues. 
Now, it seems a strange foundation, but hear me out, and you'll understand why we need to remember this, why we need to go back to this every now and again, so that we remind ourselves, ah, the battle continues. Listen, Jesus, when he was addressing his disciples, just as he was going to take the last communion, that last supper, at that occasion, we read in John's Gospel as he was there giving them his instructions, In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said these words, I have told you these things so that you may, so that in me you may have peace, he says. And then he says to them, in this world you will have trouble. Hear me? This is the word of Jesus. In this world you will have trouble. Praise God he didn't stop there. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. But you see, he tells us something. He says, like, actually in living, in the ordinariness, or what we call the ordinariness of life, there is going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble that comes against us. There's going to be things that affect us. In this world, you will have trouble. But you see, we are in Christ, and it doesn't mean to say that being in Christ, we're not going to have trouble, or not going to experience trouble, but being in Christ... We know this, we can take heart because he who is with us is the one who has overcome. And in him, we can overcome. Now the Apostle John understood this teaching of Jesus. Because we see again, when he's writing one of his letters, and this is in 1 John, he he writes this, 1 John 5, 3-5. He says, this is love for God to obey his commandments. You see, God is interested in strengthening our faith and he's interested in us growing in love with him and a way that we do that is to be obedient. As we become obedient, as we do what we've been asked to do, we find that our love for God is increasing and it shows and displays our love for him. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands, incidentally, are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And you see, so what John has picked up from Jesus is this idea that there is going to be problems in this world. That's because Jesus told us there's going to be problems, but as we walk with him, as we operate in faith in him, we find strength to overcome what is coming against us. So John knew about firm foundations. He'd learned them from Jesus. And actually, I find it interesting, when I've been looking at this, I noticed the men that are talking about these things, like John, like Peter, like Jesus' brother James, they are people who had experienced Jesus, had seen those early days of being with him, and knew how to put these things into practice. In other words, if we listen to them, they're the guys that saw it firsthand. And as we learn from them, we can understand, okay, this is what we also need to do if we are to live victorious lives like they lit. So John had been learning these things from Jesus. And It's foundational for us to remember that there is a battle 
that is continuing to rage around us. We think that even if we go back to the issue of creation, where we say, well, we believe that God created, but as soon as you go onto the internet, as I've said before, you find out a whole host of arguments as to say why that is not the case and why we shouldn't believe it and why we should need to believe these things. In our schools, it is actively taught Darwinism. They don't teach creationism and underline it, but they do teach Darwinism and underline that. That is being taught to everybody because the system of the world is to bring people away from God. And we need to remember that. So you, in your office, you might be saying, well, I believe that God created this. People tell me, you don't believe that, do you? What? No. There's all this evidence for. And you know, like, you think, like, oh, why did I open my mouth? Because right now, I feel insecure in knowing how to answer all of that weight of argument and so-called scientific evidence that they're throwing at me. And you can feel bombarded to the point you think, like, whoa, I don't know what I believe. Listen, we need to remember there is a battle that is continuing to rage around us. The Bible itself says, listen, the, f- the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, I don't suggest you use that scripture tomorrow morning actually in the office, not unless you really feel God's asking you to do so, because it might not go down well. It's better to say, did you have a nice weekend, before you say, what did you do? I learned this in church that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But you see, the Bible is saying this, listen, people don't have understanding, and that's why they say there's no God. They haven't met me. They haven't understood me. They've been so bombarded with a weight of worldly argument that has come upon them that they want to conform to so that they can feel that they fit in. But inside of them is an aching void that they don't know how to fill because they've never found peace with their Creator. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And all around us, there are voices that are saying there is no God. Those voices are propelled by the one who is behind the battle, who is fighting against the kingdom of God, who is seeking to bring down the people of God. There is a real battle, and it rages around us. This battle is a battle of truth. It's a battle over truth, and the enemy seeks to steal truth from us, and he seeks to bring to us corrupted truth, distorted truth, or even deception, complete deception, so that we are thrown off. So there is a real battle that is going on. When did this battle start? (coughs) This battle started in heaven, when Lucifer, Satan himself, acted to make himself equal to, or even above God. In Isaiah 14, we read this, of him, how you have fallen from heaven because he was cast out of heaven when this sin became obvious. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who were once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. In heaven, 
Satan, as an angel, wanted to have authority over God or wanted to be equal with God, and he made that self known, and God acted and cast him out of heaven. He cast him down to the earth, and as he came to the earth, as we read in the Bible from the beginning, he started to corrupt mankind. As it comes right down to the beginning, we see that he came down to the Garden of Eden, and there he says to Eve, did God say you shouldn't eat from any of the trees? That corruption... She knew what God had said, but it was being twisted. Are you sure? He said, you can't eat of any of the trees. No, 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 we can eat of the trees, but not that one. Oh, you should eat that one. But you look at how good the fruit is. Did you not know that when you eat this, you will become like God? See, and she reached out for that, but there was a corruption in the truth that was brought to her, and that corruption brought her spiritual death and even came to physical death. In 1 John 5.19, it says, we know that we are the children of God. But it says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Being cast out of heaven and corrupting mankind, Satan has authority over the earth and over mankind because we have all been born into sin and we all sin. And we see this again underlined when Jesus himself was being tempted. In Luke 4, verses 5 and 6, it says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. Listen, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Where we are living on the earth, this place is under the control. This earth, the worldly system, is under the control of the enemy. A battle rages around every one of us. Oh, but I just thought I was going about my daily tasks. I just thought I was just living life. And just as we can take our attention off Jesus, so we can take our attention off the fact that the world is corrupted, the world system is evil, and that Satan is in control of those things. Oh, we're just getting on with everyday life. You see, it's just as easy. We can just diminish and leave these things alone. Satan's vision is this. It is to resist the kingdom of God. That's what he's about. He wanted to be equal with God. He wanted to take that for himself. But now he's been cast down. He has come to earth and he now wants to resist the kingdom of God. He wants to do everything that he can to stand in the way of God's way of doing things coming to pass. That's what he wants to do. And in John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The enemy only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is what he comes to do in our lives, to steal from you. Have you ever had anything stolen? I can remember my second car. It was a Ford Capri that had been done up. Spray. I know, I wish I'd have kept it. It was a smooth motor. It was orange. A long bonnet, an orange car. And when I had it, I had it even before I met Helen, I think. Yes, I did. 
I, but I still had it when I met you. Yes, that's the time it broke down, but we won't talk about that. For the basis of this story, it was sitting outside my parents' house where I was living, and it was my pride and joy because it looked so good. A 1600 GT Capri. I've taken you back to this time now. Many of you. Oh, yes. And I had this sound system in there. It wasn't a great sound system, but it sounded good, as anybody of that age would need to have a good sound system in their car. And then one morning, I came down, and there was a ter- cherry tree outside our par- my parents' house, and then there was the roadway, and then there was the space where my car <laughs> is parked behind the cherry tree. Have you ever had this experience of a car being stolen? You sort of go there, and it's like, where's my car? And you sort of think, did I park it there? And you sort of go through these processes. You think, I parked this. Where's my car? Now, as it had transpired, my car actually was found relatively near, just a short distance down the road, because who'd ever put a screwdriver into the uh, key port, you know, obviously everything had gone wrong, so they'd had to leave the car and run away. So it was found, but it was broken, and it needed fixing, and it was frustrating. But you have that sense of being violated. Who has done this? Why would they do it? And somehow, even though you physically weren't involved... Something has happened to your property. Something's happened to the world around you. And you feel a violation that's come against you when things are stolen. The enemy is still seeking to do that to your lives even today. He wants to steal truth from you. He wants You hear the truth, but quickly he wants to take it away. So that's your possession, that was yours, that was what you wanted to take hold of. But the enemy comes and says, are you sure you can believe that? Are you quite sure that's true? Oh, come on now, look at everybody else, they don't believe that, so why should you? You feel intimidated, you feel got at, and sometimes you just feel plain violated as the truth is taken away from you. The enemy comes to steal from you. We only understand stealing in the fact of our physical possessions, those things. But things can get stolen from you. A woman who is raped feels like something has been stolen from her. It's that horrible. And the enemy comes to do horrible things because he steals things from our lives. Listen, what is he stealing or trying to steal from you? Is he trying to steal your peace? Is he trying to steal your security that there is a God who loves you and who cares for you? What is he trying to steal from you? What is he trying to take away from you? As the people of God, we need to understand there is a battle that continues and we have to rise up and we have to say, no, we're not having that anymore. You are not going to steal from me my peace. You are not going to take from me the knowledge of my Saviour. You're not going to take from... They may take your job. They may take situations from you. They may take your pride. They may make you feel humble in the office. You're the, so you're the only one who believes in Jesus. And you're feeling like small and terrified. And They may take your pride from you. But they're not going to steal your faith. Because we're going to say, listen, I am believing that he is more than able to help me. In this world, you do receive troubles. But take heart, because my Saviour has overcome the world. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And we have to rise up in faith. 
against these situations because the enemy comes to steal, to kill. His vision is to resist the kingdom of God, to do what he can to stop it from going forward. And Satan's language is lies and deceit. That's the language that he uses. Can you hear that? The language that he uses is lies and deceit. The language of our father is that he speaks the truth. He speaks the truth. Your word is truth, is what Jesus said of what God says. Your word is truth. And elsewhere in Psalms it says of this, that the words of God are flawless. That's only a term that's really used for something like a diamond. And they talk of a diamond when it is without error, it becomes a flawless stone. In all of its magnificence. And so what it's saying is the words of God are magnificent and they are true. And we can lay hold of them. The words of Satan, the language of Satan, is lies and deceit. John 8, 44, Jesus was talking about Satan and talking to people about him. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We need to know who we're dealing with. We need to understand that there is a battle that continues. And this battle is really for truth. And it is between the forces of darkness, the works of Satan, and the kingdom of our God. Now you see, the thing for us is we are trying to live by faith. The foundation of our faith, our, our religion, is that we are f- having faith. We are trusting in God. We are believing in Him. And faith is believing in things that we cannot see. So people say, well, where's the evidence for this, God? Hey, hey, you can't, well, creation. And they can't answer about why you can't believe creation. And you know what? Sometimes all you can say is this, I believe in him because he has touched my life and he has forgiven my sins. And that seems like such a small almost insignificant piece of evidence. And yet that is what has enabled you to walk in peace and to find wholeness in your life. And it's something that we should be proud of, not ashamed of. We should receive that and know that it is because of him that actually we walk in the wholeness, the shalom, the peace that only God can bring us. Peace that passes understanding, peace that other people do not have, and forgiveness for our sins. Have you ever stopped and thought how wonderful it is that we have been forgiven? When we do things wrong, you have that horrible, gut-wrenching feeling of, oh, I know I've done wrong. The times when you're trying to get away with it, you don't usually feel like that. (coughs) The times when you've been caught, the times when you know You feel it inside of you. It's like a knot that comes in your stomach. And it's not something that's pleasant. And it's something that you want to go away. You know that that knot is taken away by Jesus because he forgives us for what we have done wrong. And he restores relationship. It's not like it's all a bit awkward around here because of Jesus. I don't know quite what to say. I said something wrong. 
can't get back into relationship. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's bringing you right back into full relationship as we confess our sins. But you see, that comes through faith. First John, you know, 1 John 5, 4 and 5, we've already read this. To everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. This is how we overcome. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And we want to be a people who are a people of faith. Faith is having confidence. I'm reading this quickly because I'm trying to get to the end. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for, that it will actually happen. And faith gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. In Scripture, again, it talks about God having created the world. And he has created all things. And it is by faith that we believe that he created the world out of nothing. You see, it's by faith that we're believing those things. But there is evidence all around us, but it's also by faith that we're believing that God is our creator and our sustainer. You know what? The word create is an abused word. Only God can create, because to create in godly terms is making something out of nothing. But you see, like, you know, oh, how creative you've been. Hey, William, you, you've done that's a wonderful work of creation. No, William did very well because he took of some things and he made out of those things something else. Our children have done very well when they've crafted a castle out of matchsticks or whatever they have to do these days, out of a, a, a cereal packet or something. They have made something out of some things that already existed and with lots of glue and sticky tape, they've managed to get a Blue Peter badge for the result of it. See, Blue Peter's not so often used now, but those who watched it will understand those things. They made something out of something. So God can make just as we can make, but only God can create because he is the one who made something out of nothing. So even when we say that's a wonderful creation, we could be talking about only the things that God did, not the things that man did. The battle continues, folks, and we need to remember that around us is a battle for truth and to take truth. Dan, do you want to come up? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, though so often we feel it is. Our struggle is against the powers and the principalities and the rulers of this dark age. What we are fighting is a spirit. We're fighting a spirit, an antichrist spirit. That's what it's referred to in Scripture. We're fighting a spirit in the world that comes against us. You see, those thoughts that come into your mind, you don't see them come into your mind. They just appear in your mind. But there is a force that is behind those thoughts. And John, our apostle, who was with Jesus who's talked about the fact that in this world you will have problems, but has also encouraged us with the fact that you can overcome these things. He gives teaching about this spirit. And in his letters, in 1 John 2, he writes this, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. And later on in his letter, 1 John chapter 4, he writes this, This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and is even now in the world. You see, when you're in the office and you're talking to your colleagues, and one of your colleagues particularly is so vehement about the fact that they are, don't believe there's a God and creation was... It's not flesh you're fighting against, but it is a spirit that is operating through them that you are coming against. That's why we need to remember to love people and especially to pray for them when we're not with them because you are entering into spiritual things and there are words that come and they come through people and they can affect our lives. It is the spirit of Antichrist. John goes on to write in his second letter, and this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands, that's to God's commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. There is a battle that rages all around us, and it is the battle of the powers of darkness that are seeking to steal truth from your lives, from my life, so that we may move away, we may turn our eyes away from Jesus. But when we realize that this is happening, we have a foundation to come back to. Hang on a second. There's a battle that's going on around me. I need to remember that, and I need to come back to what is truth, and I need to stand on the truth. Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And James writes this, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So in this series, we've been looking at our foundations or things that we can turn to that will help us return our eyes to Jesus, will help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And let me encourage you to spend some time establishing and maintaining those foundations in your lives because they will help us. Keep looking at creation so that you are continually inspired by it. Keep seeking to live in obedience to what God has asked us to do. And remember that the battle continues around you. Resist the lies. Hold on to the truth and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.